This podcast is sponsored by AutoTrader, a company powered by tech and made possible by people. With an average of 69 million cross-platform visits monthly, AutoTrader is the UK's biggest automotive marketplace, bringing together the largest and most engaged consumer audience with the largest pool of vehicle sellers. But what truly sets AutoTrader apart is their unwavering commitment to inclusivity. They're proud of their people-centred culture and big supporters of Reframe Women in Technology, empowering women in the tech industry. If you're looking for a job that offers flexibility and room to develop, their teams are growing. Head over to Autotrader's career site at careers.autotrader.co.uk to check out the exciting job opportunities. Welcome to the Reframed It podcast. I'm your host, Becky Taylor, and I'm founder of the Reframe Women in Tech conferences. In this podcast, we'll explain why reframing the narrative around women working in tech is not just important, but essential. We want to provide a platform to amplify the voices and stories which need to be heard. You'll hear from the remarkable women shaping the tech industry and the male allies who stand beside them. You might be a woman navigating the tech world searching for your next role or a forward-thinking company eager to create a better environment for your employees. Whoever you are, our podcast has something for you. So join us on this incredible journey as we dive into the diverse and dynamic world of tech and together, let's reframe it. On this episode, I'm joined by Anna Dick, CTO at Capsule and Toby Wilman, co-founder Inara Talent. This episode was recorded in December 2023, so please note personal circumstances may now differ from those referred to in the episode. I really want to dive straight into the, this topic. I think it's an absolute huge topic and one that gets talked about quite a lot um, quite openly on on social platforms around t- challenges and failures and how what what people's perceptions and experiences and sharing those experiences. So I'm going to go straight into quite a raw question and just ask you both to sort of share a bit around the challenges that you've personally faced throughout your career and how that sort of evolved and sort of made you the person of who you are today. Anna, if I could start with you. Yeah, of course. I've actually been reflecting on this quite a lot recently. I um, read the book Brotopia, which is by a lady called Emily Chang. Chang, I think, yeah. And that's her reflection of Silicon Valley and working in a very male-orientated environment. And I feel that I've had two major areas of challenges in my career. And that was definitely at the start of the career when I was younger and that was mainly moving from being you know a single quite young person working in smaller organizations very dynamic a lot about going out all the time activities after work you know those kind of things and I very much kind of leaned into that culture and then when I got a little bit older I was moving into leadership roles uh, and I fell pregnant with my first child and I couldn't be involved in a lot of those activities and I felt like I mean I I questioned it a lot as to whether it was in my head at the time 
Was I being treated differently because I wasn't able to be involved in all the same activities, go out drinking? You know, it was a very bro culture. There was a lot of environments that I didn't necessarily feel that comfortable in as, as a woman anyway, going into, you know, there was, uh, whether it's strip clubs or bars late at night, like this is what some of those nights out would be. And when I fell um, pregnant, that obviously changed and I just couldn't work. I found it very hard to work and succeed in those environments as well. And that's where I had to kind of specifically made a choice to move away from those smaller scale up environments and look for something that was more of a corporate environment that had more diversity. You know, for example, when I uh, fell pregnant, the company I was working for at the time, there was no maternity policy. You know, I had to negotiate some maternity pay and I, had, and I came back to work after four months, you know, which is really, really short. And I look back on that now and I'm like, if I hadn't have had to do that, I wouldn't necessarily have chosen it. You know, I was the breadwinner at the time. It kind of made sense. And my partner did, you know, kind of take some more time off. But Charlotte was very young when she ended up going back, going, going into nursery. And I found that very, very challenging. And I had to kind of change what I felt my career path would be because I was interviewing for other jobs during that time. And I'd be asked, are you, gonna, are you planning on having another child? You know, very direct questions that I'm sure men wouldn't have been asked at all. And I specifically then moved to the larger corporates like, and worked for the BBC and the co-op then for a good six years to kind of get through that, that period of my life, if you know what I mean. So Charlotte was older. Um, but yeah, I found that all quite, all quite challenging and definitely working in more, you know, organisations that were much more the further forward with their diversity um, was a much better environment for me to then thrive. Um, it feels like it's very different now. And now I've gone back to working in scale-up, you know, startup at scale-ups environments and the cultures are very, are very different. But I think because I'm still at that leadership, you know, and now at that kind of C-suite level, I'm still kind of surrounded by some of the same people or the same kind of cultures and mindsets in some cases. And I think moving to the other challenging bit that I, you know, wanted to to focus in on was actually now as a CTO, when I've been looking for jobs as a female CTO, I know that my recruitment process has been different. Some of my male peers, I know that there's been additional steps added in. I know that I've been told that I'm getting through to another phase. And then I've had um, a, a more kind of one-to-one conversation where they've talked about culture and fitting in in a male environment and managing a male team so you know I feel like kind of got through that in the younger years and it feels like now you know I'm always I feel like I'm always questioned about how technical I am you know I wasn't a programmer um I didn't do a computer science degree but there's a lot of my peers that aren't hands-on coders anymore and actually building a tech product and being a CTO isn't just about coding there's so many more roles in that so those are the two areas of challenge but one quite recently in terms of looking and interviewing for for new roles um I feel like the 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 process has been quite different that's quite staggering really isn't it you know in the year of 2023 about to approach 2024 you know that's quite staggering to hear that as a woman you're treated differently because you know when you started first saying that I thought you were actually going to probably say it the other way and maybe almost 
made it easier from a recruitment process because they're wanting the quota at the leadership level, you know, because you've got a lot of like positive discrimination, et cetera, because of companies wanting more women in technology. But actually it's the other way, which is quite alarming. I mean, I think I'm definitely, I, I feel sometimes I've been included in a lit, like it's great. I'm getting, I've been, I had been getting interviews. You know, there's a point I was getting interviews. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's not in every case. I've successfully got, you know, some great roles and the process has been superb. But there definitely feels like going out, especially more in a consultancy market, that consultant, CTO, expert, your most expert tech person doesn't necessarily look like me and people don't always feel comfortable about that. And I have been taken through additional steps to make people feel feel comfortable and there's some processes that I I know where I've had direct conversations with people because I'm like I'm not sweeping this under the carpet as a thing I want you know I know that you're things like there was a conversation about or you know have you worked in industrial tech like this is a more of an industrial environment I was like I think I know what you're trying to say here like um you know I can work with all sorts of people in all sorts of environments I know this is an all-male team and there's some industries that I've noticed more than others like railway things like that that are more maybe male orientated maybe aren't you know as forward thinking or haven't kind of come as far on that on that journey and and when you did challenge are they aware is it is it awareness perspective and education or is it just that they're, they're fixed in those sort of ways of doing so I think it's an awareness I think it's a risk you know some one of the interviews specifically around this railway said like it, it this role is really important I need to make sure that this person lands and I felt that they felt uncomfortable potentially about putting you know somebody that was a bit different to what that stereotypical role person would look like into that team fascinating absolutely fascinating and you know horrifying at the same and and it almost then loops back that that is why you know more women need to be in those senior positions because they will be included in those recruitment processes to make sure that these don't happen i i am presuming there wasn't women in those processes it was no none and i think that's the i think that's the thing isn't it i see it's very different and i would always want to to see the whole the the whole process being very different from all of my teams that that I've worked with over the years. But I think for me, I was often the only I was the start of some of that in some of those organisations. And I guess moving that up to now, you know, there aren't many other kind of uh, CTOs, female CTOs within the Manchester area. There's a lot of great, fantastic female se- senior leaders. Um, but coming from the exact kind of experience I've had, there haven't been many that have been through that journey alongside at the same time. And points we'll get into a little bit more further as we obviously the conversation continues. But just jumping over to yourself, Tobin, just looking at your personal experiences of challenges. Has there been p- pivotal moments around your journey? Yeah, it has. There's been lots. You know, I think I have someone who didn't really know what I wanted to do for a long time. You know, in my earliest earlier days, wasn't very good at education, so didn't go down that route. Sort of was a bit of a lost soul until I was about 25. Didn't know what to do. Obviously, lots of pressure being put on. What 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 are you going to do in your career? Have you thought about a career? 
uh, sort of fell into sort of where I was now and then just made a made a good go of sales and that returned into recruitment and then it wasn't until really this year that I found myself going through I've gone through lots of different challenges but this this year in particular has been the toughest year of my career uh, which then trickled into my personal you know life at home um, it's because I sort of once I got on that trajectory of a career I sort of managed to have a consistent growth target and just sort of moved from, you know, sales into recruitment, from recruitment into, you know, better recruitment and then into an internal role with my previous employer. Um, and then, you know, back end of last year, when all that growth had been going up, up and up, you know, we'd gone through an acquisition into a bigger business at the time. And I was navigating this whole new world that I'd never been in before, which was a big, big corporate, you know, a huge international corporate, one of the biggest companies in the world. And that was a whole new a whole new world for me to try and understand um, and then obviously you know I've always had quite a lot of control in sort of what comes next for myself or where I can where I can make an impact to the business I worked for that control sort of got taken away a lot um, and then we were well, as a recruitment team or as a talent team we, we got put on a hiring freeze um, the hiring freeze is still ongoing now you know I've exited the business through, through redundancy um, but we got put on a hiring freeze. You know, we had a team of nine people. Um, we were making a lot of impact to the business's growth and we were very sort of, you know, felt like we were achieving something day to day. And then all of a sudden when that sort of gets pulled away from you, it's like, what what do we do? You know, are we are we vulnerable now? What are we going to do? How can we make how can we keep keep on making the impact that we do inside inside the business? And it's the for the first time ever in my career I felt completely lost. Like I didn't know what what I was supposed to be doing, um, you know, scratching around for work just to make myself feel valued, um, you know, taking on all sorts of different roles that were outside of my remit. Some of them were good, you know, some of them were new challenges and, and allow, allowed me to sort of, you know, grow in different ways. But still, it felt like people were giving you stuff just to sort of satisfy your sort of need for wanting to do something. Um, and it really sort of affected me because I'd never had that before since I started my career. So back end of last year going into this year I I went through like really high levels of stress which I've never had to cope with um which then broke out in like I had physical or eczema all over my face and my eyes I went to had to sort of explore new routes that I'd never thought of exploring before and that was going down the sort of therapy road and I went through five months of therapy um just to try and sort of get control of my stress levels that sort of area that was coming into my home life which was affecting how I was at home with my partner and uh, you know that that sort of it was just an unknown territory for me um a completely unknown territory um and therapy really helped like really really helped but I went into therapy in I was quite dubious to like, does it work you hear a lot of people know it, it works really well for them and I was always someone that was like oh well you know I think I've got all my stuff together you know I, I don't think you know I've ever really needed to go down that route but going into that therapy for the first four sessions I remember telling the therapist everything that I thought a therapist wants to hear um you know just and I was like I think we're done I think I, I think we're wrapped up here I think there's nothing else I can share and the therapist very cleverly said to me look you know you've got another set amount of sessions left here go away and take three weeks take three week gap and come back to me and then you know if you're done we're done you know we can we can end the therapy here I remember coming back um after that three weeks and you know it was a bit of the daunting thing that I've not told this therapist anything that I want to tell them and I'm about to give up on this opportunity that I've got to go through the rest of these sessions um and I offloaded like I completely offloaded I've got goosebumps talking about it now like I, com I completely offloaded and for the first time, I've like told someone something outside of my partner 
um, so told you know certain things about myself and about things that I've struggled with, and it just felt very very good to be able to sort of give someone that opportunity to just li- literally just hear some of my problems. It felt like a real big pivotal moment for me. Um, to be able to offload some of that. And then I started to share my journey and then I started to type it down. You know, people have different ways of, of coping with things. And for me, at that point, I mean, I, one of the things I've discovered about myself throughout my career is I love to help other people. Like I, 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 I get, I thrive off helping other people. Like I love to see other people succeed and if I can play a small part in that success. And that's a really big thing for me. That's like why I do what I do. Um, so being able to share my story of someone who can be perceived in the world that I am and you know going to events and going to doing social media posts or just being the person that I am around an office day to day people might think oh he's full of confidence he's got everything all together but it's not the case so being able to share that experience that I was going through some really really tough challenges um, and put that down and help other people sort of realize that it's okay not to have it all together it's okay to struggle but it's it's, it's, it's better to even try and help use your network around you, you know, let other people help you. You've gone through um, an amount of time in your career journey, you know, you said you've been very successful in roles, etc. Why do you think it's taken to that sort of pivotal moment of an experience this year to actually openly share around how how you feel, being vulnerable in, in, in a way um, with others to help others? I think... I think the word you said then, vulnerable, I think I've learned to be vulnerable over time um, and it's actually a strength to be vulnerable, um, you know, and I think maybe the world I first came into in sales and agency recruitment, vulnerability was something that no one really showed, like it just wasn't something that people talked about. In fact, if you were vulnerable, you'd probably be, you know, edged out of that company quite quickly. So, you know, it sort of got hardened in that sense to not be vulnerable, coming into... Um, my previous employer, a digital transformation consultancy, where they really embraced being open, they embraced failure. There's loads that I can talk about on that topic of sort of embracing failure and moving forward and failing fast and failing forward and you know learning from those steps day by day. But it also gave me a really nice environment where vulnerability was something where I could think I could let go of that hardened shell. And you know I think I always used to, and I did this in my. I've got quite into writing a lot of posts and social media content. And I always used to write for what I think other people want to hear. And it's the same like in your day-to-day job, you always try and put put a face on for like what you think that individual or that group of people wants to see from you. Um, and I think it's not until you really sort of find out who you are or at peace with who you are, the good parts and the bad parts, that you're able to sort of move forward from that. And then at that point then, you know, talking to someone about something, you know, in a, in a way, it helps you, but you never know who else, who, who else you could be helping by sharing that. And I think that's, once again, why I've started doing it more, because so many people have come to me, not just people in my professional network, but people who are my friends, like old friends, like 20, 25-year friendships coming to me who I thought would never have any problems like I've had. And they're like, you know, from reading your, pop, reading your articles or listening to a podcast or just hearing you talk about it, this is what I'm going through, this is where I'm struggling. And, and that's really rewarding thing to do, but it, it all comes with putting your own barriers down. And I think the two bits that you mentioned there is obviously being in an environment like a psychological safe environment to embrace that vulnerability um, and knowing the reason, uh, the purpose for doing so. I, I think when, before I started doing it, I thought, well, why would people want to know about my problems? 
And I think what I've learned over time is actually the amount of people that are in the situation, like you mentioned, Toby, where they're so scared to speak up around if they're struggling because it might impact their career. I still have mainly women in programs that I run and basically say, I can't say that to my line manager because I won't get that promotion or won't get that development opportunity. They won't think that I'm good. You know, I'll, I'll be sacked, etc. So they've not been given that that environment and not being given the the opportunity to, you know, put what they're feeling forward. And I think when they hear it from somebody else, it's almost like I, I sort of say that ripple effect, isn't it? You know, you, you put it out there and you might, I know I get, say, one person come back to me and go, oh, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I'm feeling exactly the same thing. And then they might go, into another environment and share something else and that's helped somebody else and you know I always hope that it will you know be like a bit of a ripple domino effect to help so many more people but I think it takes courage to do so um, and I think it's not easy to do there's amount of times that I still write posts and I think I don't know whether I actually can post that today because you need to be in that really strong position of like going right I'm bearing all here understanding not everybody is going to appreciate it not everybody is going to like you and it still makes me cringe when I when I say that because I just want everybody to like me and I still can't understand why they don't (laughs) but I think it's such a powerful thing like you've demonstrated for for you to be able to share that experience that somebody's listening and you know have an impact on someone and I think you know just like you said then just that one person it's not always going to be that one person's going to reach out to you and you might need to do multiple things and just keep consistently being like, you know, your authentic self in who you want to be, you know, but when one person just does reach out to say, it just like literally for me anyway, it just like, just makes you feel like God, you know, sharing can help that one person or help, like you said, a ripple effect of multiple people. It's like, yeah, it's such a rewarding feeling. I think one of the things that, that you mentioned in, in, in part there was like, I always, I always used to think that like, why are my problems? Like, what, why people want to hear my problems? And I remember saying to my, to my therapist when we were going through that session, I was like, look, I was like, at the end of the day, like, I, I know how lucky I am in my position. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sat here with a therapist, and I've got a good job. I've got, you know, a, a nice house, family. We go on holidays. Like, what? And someone probably down the road who's ten times worse off than me. So why should I, be getting help when that person probably needs a lot more help than me? So I feel guilty for taking help. Um, and my therapist is just like, it's great that you think that way, but but you not you don't know that person up the road. You can't focus on that person's problems. Like all you need to do really is focus on you, be the best person you can be, and you will affect the people in your circle of influence. It was this point I went through circles of influence and circles of control and all this sort of stuff. And you know you just need to focus on that circle of influence and learning to do that has taken a lot more pressure about how guilty I feel about you know taking that time away from other people. Anna, vulnerability to you. Yeah, so I was just going to add this. and Thanks, Toby, for sharing that, that story because it's made me feel that I want to share some stuff a little bit more, I think, in terms of some of the challenges that off the back of in the recent years, I'd kind of been working in the larger corporates and I was lucky enough to get a really great company to work with in Hiring Hub where I was my first CTO and I got a lot, gained a lot of confidence from that in terms of, you know, I can do this role and I'm, I'm a peer equal you know I'm equal to my peers in this space but after leaving hiring hub it was quite difficult for me to get get roles or get get my next role I guess in some of the stuff that I'd explained earlier my my confidence went down quite a lot 
Um, I did get a role um, for a company, which was fantastic. I was really, really pleased with it. But the culture in that company was very, very different to how I'd been used to working. Um, they were very, very uh, top-down driven. They were very kind of control focused. They were very waterfall in terms of the way that they deliver, not very collaborative. Um, and I was, I was with the company for three months and I didn't realize how much I gave to that job during those three months. It was fully remote and I was literally on calls in my very small box room here for 12, 16 hours a day. It was a very, very date-driven project. And I didn't realize I was suffering stress until I went through a bit of a burnout moment where I was actually on my way to the hairdressers and I felt fine, but I hadn't eaten, I hadn't had time, I hadn't actually left the house that day and I didn't realize. And I got to the hairdresser and sat down and I just had a funny wobble and I kind of passed out. And then when I came to in the hairdressers, like my body had like a very physical, like you said, Toby, like a physical reaction. I'd entered this whole new level of anxiety. Like I had this little like shake and I just couldn't stop this um, fear about work. And I was thinking about it all the time. And, and that escalated to the point where I was like, I have to go to the doctors about this. I can't stop my mind. I'm, you know, verging on panic attacks and I'd never kind of been down that down that space before I was like fearful I just felt responsible for this whole project the whole team the whole company I felt like it was all on on my shoulders and I think a lot of it was due to the type of culture in that organization and like I felt like everything was on me it wasn't collaborative my views and choice you know decisions weren't being listened to I was also very isolated, you know, working. It's the first time I'd had a fully remote job. So I'd gone from like hiring hub in Manchester, face-to-face, you know, lots of activities outside of work that built that nice culture. It's being very much in, in a room. And, and I actually had to, I actually chose to hand in my notice for, for that role. I actually worked my notice because I couldn't have not. That, so that made me feel a bit better. Um, it, it, but it, it took three, it probably took three months and I'm probably not fully re- recovered because I can definitely, there's triggers that can trigger me back to that state. But during that time, I realized I've always given a lot to work. Like my, you know, even when I was at the BBC, you know, I kind of, I dropped Charlotte off at seven. I was single parenting at the time. There was an expectation of me to go to London. And if I missed out, it was before remote working. So I'd go to London and then I'd come back and I'd pick her up at seven, at, you know, an extended hours nursery. And obviously... It's a long day for any child to be at nursery, but it's also that, you know, that kind of pressure and giving a lot to work. But when you enjoy it and you're appreciated and there's a culture of appreciation and and give and take, then I think that's different. And I've worked in startups where I've worked with fantastic people. We've worked really hard and, you know, I do find it hard to switch off from work, but I could be home, I could pick up my daughter and then I could log on and finish stuff off. But in this role, I, I couldn't do that stuff. I felt I couldn't even say to my boss, like, I need to go and get my daughter because I felt so pressured about it. And I realized that if you're not in the right environment and the right culture, people can take and they keep taking. <laughs> and I just, I got nothing else. I got nothing left to give. And it was affecting all my other relationships, you know, at the time as well, my, with my daughter, with my partner. 
um, not going, not seeing my friends, not being able to do exercise, those kind of things that make you have like, oh, I love work and I do lots, I'm happy to put lots of effort into it, but also want to balance all the other things that I enjoy. Um, and yeah, I, I've had kind of counselling um, and just time out, like burnout is something that I'd never experienced before um, and that level of stress as well. So yeah, thanks for sharing, Toby, because it's made me kind of think a little bit more about my experience and that. One point that I can reflect on there, Anna, is the fact that, you know, you try and stay somewhere because you almost want to make it work. We have, I don't know, sometimes it within you, it's almost like, no, I can make this work, so I'm going to stay. And realising a bit to your point, Toby, about circle of control and influence. And if anybody listening that hasn't done that exercise, it's such a, an amazing exercise and we will link to it. But understanding that the only bit and part of that puzzle is yourself that you can control. You 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 can influence the environment and the culture of an organisation. But if it's so set in the ways and there's so many people that are going, well, this is how it's going to be. It's knowing when to say enough's enough and where your line is because I know in my experience I've, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried uh, to my detriment trying to change an environment because I feel like, oh, I need to succeed in this. I need to sort of prove myself in this. But actually it's had so much of a an impact in terms of my life of actually putting me back in my career because I'm trying to change something that won't, won't be changed as well. So which is a nice link in terms of the next sort of area of discussion around failure. Um, I sp- when I was reading sort of the brief and putting my notes together, I think I was starting to reflect around what failure means to me and how that's changed over time. You know, when I was looking back at my younger years, it was almost frowned upon in terms of you don't fail, you need to pass. I still look at the education system, um, you know, with, two children in it and it's very much pass fail you know you're not at this expectation and it's not around you know your journey and how to get there it's most have you got that tickle you've got the cross in the box etc it's uh and I think it needs a lot a lot of work but that's a whole different topic in itself and then over time how my perception and I and I being honestly I probably only in the last few years have I understood really how to embrace failure um having the confidence to say it as well about embracing failure and learning from it. So I'd like to understand in terms of your experiences within that and, you know, maybe share a few tips or advice around how that's, you know, helped you in terms of to get to your points in your career journeys now. Toby, I know you, you sort of mentioned around the environment you were in in your previous role that's really helped you embrace that. Yeah, I think we're brought up in a in a system of 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 fail of failing you know and being told that that's not right that you know that's not right that, that's the, not the right way to do it but we're not really told how to think of other ways to do it i think that comes over time and it goes to a couple of things that have been said on on this chat so far which is about being in the right culture um and the right sort of safety bubble to fail um you know over time throughout my career I've always been, I think I'm quite lucky in the way that I'm quite a resilient person naturally. Like I'm quite resilient in the way that if something's, you know, come at me as a, as a challenge and, I, and I've failed in that challenge, then it, I've not really, I've not really got that give up nature in me. So I'll try and find another, another solution for it. I know everyone thinks in different ways and it can affect people in lots of different ways. I think 
learning that part of you know understanding other people has been a big thing in my career as well you know i think coming into it as a a more junior person in my career you kind of get stuck in the way of like i'm thinking this way why aren't other people thinking this way and i think learning how to how to understand how lots of different people think in lots of different ways is a really good way to be a more supportive leader or in your field or 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 in that space i suppose for myself being in that sort of culture with my previous role um, and being sort of told to embrace failure and fail fail all the time you know we're always going to fail all the time you know I think it's, it's part of it and I think you know nowadays I look at I don't look really look at anything as failure anymore um I don't look at anything as it has been an out and out failure I think it takes a lot of effort to try you know I think if you've tried you've made the first step um if you've tried and it's gone wrong it's not a failure you've tried you've tried already I think perhaps the only thing that could be deemed as a failure is not trying at all whatsoever because you've sort of doubt counted yourself out of it from the offset so you know I think trying is, is, is part of progressing and moving forward. So what would you say has been the biggest sort of challenge and fear of failure that you've embraced? Starting my own company has definitely been, has definitely been the, you know, the, it was scary as hell, you know, I think I'm something I've always wanted to do. Um, would I have ever done it on my own as in solo? I don't know. I've got too much responsibilities at home. You know, now I've started the company and I realised it's not as scary as what it first seemed, you know, I've got a good network, the network sort of, you know, we're now built up a good customer base and we're, and we're doing some really good work and we're, you know, and we're, we're achieving what we wanted to achieve as a, as a, as a new business in, in the space that we are, but, you know, being made redundant, and I've, I've said this to so many people, one thing that I've, I've learned to do over my time is use your network, you know, I, I shout it from the rooftops, your network could be, can be some of your, your the biggest and most pivotal conversations you can have with people in your network. And, and when I got made redundant, the first thing I did was go to my network and reach out to people who'd been made redundant and ask them what how they dealt with it. You know, everything from the emotions to the steps they took to you know the the, consul- the consultation conversations, everything. You know, just got advice from, from everyone around me. And, and you know, as we was going through that sort of phase of, of being, you know, being told to be made redundant, and we'd already had a loose conversation in the background that if all three of us get made redundant, myself and my two business partners, should we do our own thing? And I think it was a case of we all got the email, obviously within about five, ten minutes of each other, and we all messaged each other and gone, right, okay, are we going to do this then or what? And it was like everyone was just on board with it, but then obviously, you know actually taking a step from being made redundant to the literally the follow left on the friday following monday we sat down together and we started on our business plan and at that point then it was like this is really real now you know we've got a six month sort of tried to give ourselves a six month runway financially between ourselves you know um to, to to get things and that's living off sort of you know the bare bones at home just trying to keep keep the house running and keep keep things moving in the way that they need to move um, and then, yeah, we, we, we went for it. And, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people say, you know, how was it being made redundant? And yeah, I'm lucky enough to say it's probably been the biggest kick up the backside I needed to do where I am now. Um, and sometimes it takes big, big moments like that when you're, you're literally left out in the cold of nothing to do something quite, quite brave. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely been for me that the big moment. And obviously, you know, hopefully for the, for the foreseeable, it'll be a year I always look back on as being the toughest, but the best. Um, coming to you, Anna, failure. What's it sort of taught you over your journey so far? Similar to, to Toby, I think it's definitely about trying, but trying different things as well. Like there's different ways to learn, there's different fields. Like there's definitely things that I've failed at because 
it's just not my thing you know I just it's not there's not a natural aptitude to it or once you've kind of gone in it's that it's not the right cultural environment for me um but it's understanding that you learn from those you know you learn from those experiences you find out a bit more about yourself about the kind of thing that you do want to do in life the kind of things you don't want to do in life the kind of people you want to surround yourself with um you know the purpose that you want all of those things you learn through those failures however big or, or small they are I found another permanent CTO job and I was like that's amazing and, and I was made redundant within three months of that role because the funding had changed and that was another really big like knock to my confidence you know it was a great great company and I would have really loved to stay in that role um but I you know I learned a lot a lot more from that I decided that I would go and move into a bit more consultancy. So kind of, I guess, set up a little bit on on my own. And, and I've been doing that all year. And in some respects, I've really enjoyed that. And in some respects, I've found it really hard. The whole business development, personal brand type thing. I know, Toby, I, I, you're, you're great at like the events. And I'm, I really struggle. I really struggle with that kind of the social anxiety. But then there's also just just that whole business development, salesy thing. And maybe coming from more of a recruitment background, you've kind of got some of that instilled in you. You know, so every kind of few months, I'm having to start thinking about the next thing. And that's actually like triggered a little bit of anxiety again. Um, so again, it's like, that's not failure. That's I've just learned something. I've tried something different. I've made more connections. I've got much more varied experience than I than I had. Um, but I, I still want to get, I still want to be in CTO role I want a permanent something I can really get invested in and so yeah definitely that keep learning try new things you know and don't give up because it's like it might be that you fail and it's not it's not instantly not the right thing or that it might just be just need to try a different approach or a different tactic or learn a bit more there's something you said there which I think I'm, I'm a little bit um a little bit scared of what the future is going to be for for some of our children coming up it's that instant gratification i think people just everything's just so instant at the moment you know i look at my two-year-old and you know if he instantly doesn't like what he likes on netflix he's got ten thousand other things to go and look at and i think you know people sometimes are just worried that 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 never give up attitude is something we probably need to it we, well we're not probably we need to instill into everyone because i think it's just hardwired into this something else you can and then there is always something else you can try, but if you want to get something, sometimes it's just not going to happen instantly. You're not going to give it one shot and it comes and lands on your lap and it's like, right, this is a great success. I think that's something that if anyone could learn from, you know, us in our careers or other other people who've done, done well in their space, it's that it doesn't come overnight. You know, it definitely didn't come overnight. I was having this conversation with someone who, because I've started, you know, tech recruitment consultancy recently and they were like, oh, well, you're doing pretty well in four months. I was like, it's not four months I've been doing this job for eight years you know that eight years has been and it's been lots it's been really tough eight years at times you know it's, it just happens to be that I've started my own company for the past four months it's eight years of doing the job to get to where I am it's not like oh overnight we started a company and we're doing pretty well off the bat of it my you know, the other two business partners have been doing it longer than me so collectively nearly 40 years between us to get to the point where we can do quite well off the bat so I think that never give up attitude is definitely something to to hold on to yeah, it's quite much a responsible element for us as parents to make sure that those lessons are still embedded um, into our children. Anna, there's just one bit that, um, and Toby as well, that um, I just want to go into a bit because it's something I get asked quite a lot, especially from 
from a woman's perspective, but Toby, I know you're a massive male ally, so I want to hear it from your perspective about this, you know, the 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 visibility. So, you know, the online visibility of putting yourself out there. Um, and it's a challenge for a lot of women that I speak to because, like, what do I put out there? You know, why do people want to see me? You know, what 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 value does that provide me? But I think we're living in a world where, you know, almost there has to be a need of actually online visibility in your profile because I think um, it's not like you're, I was talking about the yellow pages, just to say not flicking through the yellow pages, cold calling, you know, from a business development, your, your profile's there and it helps you in so many different ways. How have you found that, um, Anna, in terms of obviously having the confidence to overcome that challenge of putting yourself out there um, on maybe social platforms, you know, at events, you sort of alluded to that a little bit and um, around the social anxiety and how have you overcome that? And is there any tips? Because I know there's a lot of, probably a lot of women that feel that, well, how do I actually do that? You know, it's okay for you, you do it, you do it all the time, you know, etc. But how do I actually get started and overcome that? challenge of getting myself out there yeah it was a hard one because I think when I was younger it felt so much easier you know I was always at networking events but I mean it was mainly fueled by beer and pizza I think at the time so also you know now going to events as, as it's older I, I, I can't drink every night like like I used to when I was that age I've got family and more, more responsibilities so the way that I kind of started to get back into it was as a panelist because I feel like I've not, I still don't feel ready to do like a full-blown talk, which I have done in the past, but actually kind of getting myself in as a panellist where I would actually be kind of invited, introduced, get to know people that way. Obviously, that's from me coming as someone who's already done a bit of speaking experience, but from events generally, I find to go with somebody I think that's one of the things and that's why I quite like the panel things. I'm like, there's someone, I'm going and I'm meeting somebody and they're telling me what to do and I'm going to be on the stage and they're going to introduce me. But I felt like getting back into events when I've kind of gone up being like, oh, I know I know people, but I don't know people well enough and that then triggers my anxiety and I'm, you know, kind of sitting in the, in the corner a bit. And, and I've got back into events now and now I know like, Toby's there, you're there, there's, there's people I know and that's good. But for a lot of new people, newbies are not used to going to events and putting themselves out there you don't necessarily know that so I think like maybe reaching out even to the event organizers to see if they can do some introductions ahead that's maybe another good opportunity to kind of smooth that entry into any any event but yeah the, the visibility online is a, a tricky one because when I, f- I feel like in order especially kind of looking at more consultancy stuff having more of an online presence is really important and it has been really valuable like there's loads of connections and, oh, I've seen you've said this and, and that. I mean, I guess I haven't been very vulnerable in terms of my post. I, I guess I'm more around a topic or a thing. Uh, one of the things that we always encouraged when I was working at Hiring Hub was like we did talk a lot about our product, good things and bad things and failures as well. Um, and I think that's probably what I want to do more of is being more transparent about you know, some of the stuff I've talked about today in terms of the successes and failures that I've been along the way, because as much as the people seeing all the positive stuff, I think seeing some of the challenge stuff will also support and help a lot of people as well. 
I do quite often get people to read my posts and just check them just to make sure that like what I'm trying to say kind of landing okay. I don't express my opinions too strongly on other people's posts and things like that. I've found that more on a social side of things when I've done that, it, that's often where I've triggered other people's strong emotions and had negative experiences on that. I look at the events that um, I'm involved in and I think that bit around meeting up or knowing someone to walk through that door with is such an important thing and I, I, I can't stress that enough for event organisers. We've had people that, you know, have, have been open and honest and bailed out right at the last second. They've got there and go, actually, I don't think I can cross that line to go through that door because who's going to be on the other side? Who am I going to talk to? What do I talk about, et cetera. And that, that, that surge of cortisol and anxiety um, mounts up and it's almost like, right, I can't do this. And I think things that we've tried to do is like, you know, set up little WhatsApp groups before an event so people can introduce themselves and go, oh, I'm coming on my own, you know, meet outside or meet at the coffee shop before can we walk in. And it's that having that, almost that comfort blanket of somebody else as you are at events. So that's a great one um, around that. Toby, any advice from yourself? Because you obviously do events and also do quite a lot of on social media, etc. If you're going to an event for the first time yourself, I think it's really difficult. I think we probably all can remember the first, I can remember the first event I ever went to and I was a nervous wreck, you know, I think, you know, and, and probably the next 10 events after that, you know, I didn't walk into the second one super confident. It took me ages to sort of get into it. But it's one of those things that, going back to what we said before, never give up. I really wanted to be in that community, in that event scene. I knew it's where I wanted to connect with people. So I tried really hard on that. And I think there's a responsibility side for people who've been to quite a lot of events before if you see someone who's coming in and you can see they're sort of on their own you know near the food stand or sort of you know moseying about on their own just you can you can tell straight away because you've been in that position before go over and say hello go over and introduce yourself um you know i think it's definitely a bit lesson to learn of you know connect to people in those events and then reach out to them and they, if you see they're on another event list say do you fancy meeting up beforehand let's grab a quick coffee or a beer or whatever you you know whatever you want to meet up beforehand to do then go in together. If you've met someone at an event, connect with them on LinkedIn, you know, connect with them, follow up the conversation. If you've already, you know, spoke to someone for five minutes, you've probably got quite a bit to talk about. Follow up with that person and that's how you build your network. Um, and then, you know, relaying that over to social media. I think this is another thing as well, you know, going back to that instant gratification thing we said before, it's not overnight success. You're not going to write one post and get 10,000 views and 60 likes like it doesn't work that way at all like I remember I used to write and I still write I still write bad content you're never going to always write really good content every time as well I think one of the things that I picked up and it was off someone who is quite active on on social media in Manchester called Dan Kelsall um, he does a lot of quite open and raw and honest um posts and and he just basically i read one of his posts once and it's just like you you should only really write for yourself like you should write for what you want to sort of get out there and whether it's you know being vulnerable or whether it's a product-based sort of topic or whether it's something to do with the market or you know being a cheerleader for someone you've met or whatever it may be write for what you want to write about and then realistically don't look at the likes don't look at the views which sometimes it's hard not to because if you are getting a bit of traction you're like oh well this is a good one but then you know just just try and write for the things that you want to write about and just write for yourself and also another thing what I learned is I used to always write in a tone of voice that wasn't the way I speak like write how you speak like don't you use big massive words that you'll never use in day-to-day -day life at all just because you think that's like 
you know, what should be done in the industry. I think people resonate a lot more if you put your tone of voice into into your content um, on social media. But, you know, Anna, Anna alluded to it before that, and yourself, Becky, that, you know, nowadays, online presence is, is so big, you know, for business development, for get finding your next role, for meeting new people. It's so important, but it's also really scary. It's not for everyone. If you're going to challenge yourself with something, I'd say online presence, networking, growing your network is something that I'd always recommend to everyone I've ever spoken to. If they don't do it and if they're scared of doing it, try and find a group of people who can support you in it, but get out there and do it a bit more because it's just, yeah, it's, it's, my, it's my, big, my biggest success in my career. I always say this, my biggest success in my whole career is my network. Yeah, really valid points there. And I love the point and I totally agree. And I, I say quite candidly to people that say about writing your first post and I say, just write it because there's only probably going to be five people that see it because the algorithm and your traction hasn't been built in. So just get on with it. And it's all around consistency um, as well. And I think we build it up, don't we? And I do to a certain extent. You build it, build it up and then you go, actually, you know, there's not actually many people that have seen it. And it's when you by that time and you become more comfortable and become more consistent and you know a little bit more confident in it that's when you do get the traction and you feel like you've almost done that practice stage beforehand of of doing that as well and accountability I've, I've i've suggested to people in the past you know like a little accountability group so you know where like you all that's a common goal that you want to work on well, form a little accountability group. You don't have to all be posting the same content, but you can keep each other accountable going, have you done your post today? Or have you, you know, you tried to interact with people? Have you oh, have actually gone to that meetup or we can do that together, etc. And it does really help. So if you've got like people within your business or in your community network, etc., or even reach out to people, I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, would be looking for support around those areas as well personal life is so relatable in terms of your professional life as well the lessons that I learned from raising two children you know are just so applicable and aligned to what I do day to day you know in life um, and I think it again you can write it in that way if you feel more comfortable writing it that way and sharing the, the similarities around those two aspects of your life it's also another perspective of doing so as well just if you had to give one piece of advice or recommendation around the topic of challenge and failure, and that can be in terms of something that you've read, something you've watched, um, something that, you know, piece of advice, what would be that to share with our listeners? Anna, if I could come to you. I think it's to find your thing. You know, I think... People try and fit themselves into boxes. Maybe it's not boxes, I'm obviously an analogy, but into things, oh, it's this job title or it's it's this medal that I need to get, you know. But it's you've got to try, try different things, test and learn, don't be put off and just try and, you know, you've got to kind of experiment with things a little bit, test and learn and then move forwards life's gonna throw challenges at us all the time yes yeah? so you're always gonna have new challenges fall on your lap and those are what's life's putting at you and sometimes they can elevate you in different ways sometimes they can set you back i think you have to actively go out and seek new challenges to grow in the direction that you want to grow in so 
you have to actively think about where do I want to grow and often it's the things that you're not very good at you know that's the things that you that you want to go and seek those challenges in I never really used to read books or or, or anything like that because I used to think that's one person's point of view and like that one person's point of view may maybe not relevant to me but obviously I got more and more into reading books I've definitely got I've, I've, I love podcasts and having lots of different people's perspectives and taking off different parts of different people's perspectives can help you find your own perspective in where you where you want to be. I think stick stick to your moral compass is super important. I think stick to who you believe you want to be and who you should be. You know, I did. Um, I read a book, uh, a Simon Sinek book, around sort of finding your why and your just cause and, and things like that. And if I have got a podcast recommendation, um, and it's Diary of a CEO, but it's with Jay Shetty, and it's the three simple things a happy life needs. Um, for me, I, I listened to that podcast at a point where I needed to listen to that podcast. And Jay Shetty is great anyway. He's like a really, a really, really good talker, you know, really good speaker, really good influential person to, to hear about his experiences. If you don't know Jay Shetty, he's had a, a bit of a crazy journey. Um, you know, he started off at my old company, actually, Accenture. He was there for a while and then he went off to be a monk for a while and then he's come back and now he's an amazing public speaker. But that 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 particular that particular podcast helped me a lot at a certain time. So there's definitely one to uh, definitely one to listen to there. I think you both showed the opportunity of reframing situations. So reframing the challenges and failures you've had to presenting and the outcome being those opportunities of now doing something you're passionate about, setting up your own business, knowing what you want has really now got you to a place where you move forward from that. So reframing it um, is very much something that I'm focusing on, not always thinking about the negative aspects, but also what's the opportunity and being curious of those opportunities as well. So thank you both so much um, for such an insightful conversation. Thank you for being so vulnerable and open because I know by being so vulnerable, it will support so many more people who are listening to this, who share this, who will talk about this, but, you know, getting them to open up from their experiences as well. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Reframed It. We hope you found our discussions insightful and inspiring. As we wrap up today's conversation, Remember that reframing the narrative around women in tech is an ongoing journey. And it's not just our mission, it's a collective endeavour. Please stay connected with us on social media, share your thoughts and continue the discussion. Together we can create a more inclusive and diverse tech industry. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to hear more incredible stories and practical advice, please subscribe and follow us. And please leave us a five-star rating and review so others can find us too. And why not share the podcast with a friend who you think will enjoy it too? It really helps us spread the word. Thanks for listening.